0: Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. And uh, if you're following online, we're especially good. Uh, glad that you are with us. Don't forget, if you're online, you have the sermon uh, outline, you have the uh, scripture passage, and please use that chat feature as well. Uh, so uh, we're going to be looking this morning over in Jeremiah chapter 21. If you want to turn over to that, Jeremiah chapter 21, and we're going to be talking about what do you give someone. Who has everything. Have you ever tried to buy somebody a present? They literally have everything in the world. So what do you get them? You know, it's kind of hard to do sometimes. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, my wife and I's birthday are generally in the same week. 14th and the 20th of May, that's just so you'll know to buy me a present next year, that's the 14th of May, uh, write that in your, in your calendar right now, but anyway, uh, so you know, what, what do you get for the birthday? So she saw this uh, thing online where you could get tickets to Savannah, Georgia on one of the discount airlines for $49 round trip, and so she said, well, instead of getting birthday presents, why don't we just go to Savannah? We've never been to Savannah, so uh, we made the trip there, had a great time. And that was probably better than any present we could have gotten just that experience. Well, today is the 245th birthday of the United States, or at least of the Declaration of Independence and the signing of the Declaration. So what do you give the United States of America on her birthday? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Well, One of the best presents, uh, birthday presents the United States ever got was on her 100th birthday in 1876 when the nation of France... Gave the United States a statue called Liberty Enlightening the World. It was created by Frederick Bartholdi and Gustav Eiffel. Yes, that Eiffel. And uh, uh, so uh, they, they were making this statue. It wasn't quite finished. Uh, on uh, July the 4th, the only thing that was finished was the arm, and uh, the World's Fair was being held in Philadelphia at the time, so they just had the the arm of the Statue of Liberty there, but it became uh, the biggest attraction at the fair. Everybody wanted to see what the whole statue would look like, and of course, eventually, we called it the Statue of Liberty and uh, you can go see it uh, in New York Harbor right now so that was a pretty good birthday present for the United States don't you think Uh, so we're going to be looking now and saying okay what could we give our country on our 245th birthday And we're going to go over in Jeremiah chapter 21 and the first thing we see is this the best present you could ever give your country has nothing to do with politics It is not political, it is not legislative, it has nothing to do with politics at all. When Jeremiah chapter 21 begins, Zedekiah is the king of Israel. He would be the very last king of Israel. Uh, As a matter of fact, Jerusalem will be destroyed while he is the king. Uh, He is going to see his children slain before him, then his eyes put out, so that's the last thing you'll ever see, and then he will die a terrible death in a Babylonian prison. So he is the very last king. He wasn't even the line of succession. He was the third son of the great king Josiah. He had two older brothers, and they both became king. Jehoahaz, uh, his oldest brother, became king and only ruled for about three months. And then the Egyptians came and took him off the throne, and his uh, next oldest brother, Jehoiakim, became the king of Israel. He reigned 11 years. He died, and his son Jehoiachin became the king of Israel and uh, so nowhere in the line of succession but then Jehoiachin only lasted three months rebelled against the Babylonians they came in and took over and made Zedekiah the new king of Israel so that's kind of how he got to that place Zedekiah's name means the Lord is just Kind of interesting because he wasn't a very just king. He was a very wicked king. Uh, he he worshipped idols. Uh, he refused to obey the Lord, ignored Jeremiah. Uh, him being made king, though, uh, is actually found in some Babylonian tablets uh, that have been discovered. Uh, here's one of the tablets that talk about Zedekiah right here. And you can read that for yourself and see what, what that says. But uh oh, I'm sorry, you want me to tell you what it says? I'll read it for you. Yeah, right. Uh, What it says is, In the seventh year in the month of Kislev, the king of Babylon mustered his army, marched to the land, and camped against Jerusalem. And on the second day of Adar, took the city, captured the king, put him into jail, and appointed a king of his own choice in his place, from which he received heavy tribute. That was Zedekiah, of course. That was from 600 B.C. So Zedekiah follows Babylon for years. He's basically a vassal king. They're paying tribute to Babylon. And then after nine years... He rebels against Babylon just like his two older brothers and his nephew had done. Not a very good idea. So the Babylonians have now mustered their army. They are entering Judah. They are coming to the walls of Jerusalem when Jeremiah gets a word from Zedekiah about help. So let's see what happens. 21 verse 1 of Jeremiah. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord when King Zedekiah sent to him Pasher the son of Malchajai and the priest Zephaniah the son of Masai, and they said inquire now the Lord for us because Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon is attacking us perhaps the Lord will perform wonders for us just as he did in the past and they will withdraw from us so zedekiah hasn't been a very godly king he's matter of fact been a very bad king Uh, but now the babylonians are about to attack and so he sends word to jeremiah and says hey maybe god will help us and aren't we that way sometimes we ignore god live any way we want do anything we want but then as soon as we get in trouble hey god why don't you jump in there and help me now i'm ready to be helped and then we just go back to doing whatever we were doing before. So they come to Jeremiah and they say, hey, look, the king said God did great things in the past. Maybe he'll do great things now. But well, when God did great things in the past, the people were praying to him and seeking him and, and following him. Uh, but, but Zedekiah was doing none of those things, yet he's still wanting God's help when the trouble gets around. So let's see what happens in verse 3. Not exactly the response Zedekiah was hoping for. But Jeremiah answered them, Tell Zedekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I'm about to turn against you the weapons of war that are in your hands, which you are using to fight the king of Babylon and the Babylonians, who are outside your very walls, beseeching you. And I will gather them inside the city. I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand, with a mighty arm in furious anger and great wrath. I will strike down those who live in this city, both man and beast, and they will die a terrible death after that declares the Lord I will give Zedekiah the king of Judah his officials and the people in this city who survive they will find plague sword and famine and they will fall into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon and to their enemies who want to kill them he will be put to the sword I will show no mercy pity or compassion probably not the word you wanted to hear okay when you say God I need some help so what was going on here what was the problem The problem was Zedekiah was trusting in a lot of things that simply weren't going to help him in the long run. And now that the trouble has hit, he's beginning to see, hey, none of these things are really going to matter. All of these things I was trusting in. What are some of the things that he's been trusting in? Well, he's been trusting in his own military might, the walls of Jerusalem. And yet he's being told here, hey, your weapons are gonna be turned against you. The walls of Jerusalem are gonna be falling down. He was trusting in the king of of Egypt to come and save them, the Pharaoh of Egypt. But he said, hey, Pharaoh's not gonna do anything to come and save you at this time. Uh, He was trusting in his idols that he was worshiping, in his advisors, but none of those things were going to help him in the long run when trouble came but we do the same thing in our country today we trust in a lot of things that in the big picture and in the long run aren't going to help us and aren't going to save us when the real pressure and the real trouble come what are some things we trust for we trust in in our nation to save us well we trust in our our money and our economy and our might that's that's what we trust in. hey we're rich you know here's a book that just came out in wealth we trust so if we've got a strong economy and a lot of money we're going to be okay and we're trusting in that What we saw last year with COVID, uh, businesses that have been around forever had to close. The economy uh, became a wreck uh, because of a pandemic that suddenly hit. So if you're trusting in money and the economy, it's probably not a very good thing to trust in long term uh, for your salvation. Second, we trust in science. Here's a mask that that was out there in science. Science is going to save us. Well, science can't save anybody. Science tells you uh, maybe the way things are and how things work, but science can't give meaning or purpose to anything. And so it's a very limited field as far as meaning and purpose goes. It can only tell you how things work and how things function. It's not going to save you. A third thing we trust in is politics and politicians. 2020 is the most important election ever guess how many elections since I've been born, I heard this is the most important election ever. Every single election of my life was the most important election of all time. And then you look back at the people that we elect, and you see what we find is we're trusting in political leaders, but after a couple of times of them, we're ready to go to something else. And so since I've been alive, we've had, I'll do this on the fly, we had two Democratic presidents, three Republican presidents, one Democratic president, three Republican presidents, two Democratic presidents, two, Demo- two Republican presidents, and now two Democratic presidents. Whew, yeah, I'm old, okay, that's what it comes down to. But what's that show you? Every two, or three, every two or three terms we're saying, okay, we tried that, it didn't work, we're gonna go back to the other thing now. And we just keep doing it over and over again because we're trusting in politicians to save us. Believe me, politicians, are not going to save you and then we trust just as zedekiah was in our military might we're trusting uh, in our military might here's a picture of mayday in russia trying to show people how strong and powerful they are well having the ability to destroy the entire planet with your weapons doesn't make you any safer at all so all these things that we're trusting in aren't going to save us and that's what zedekiah is now finding out He's trusting all these things, but when the Babylonians come to the wall, they are not things that are going to save him. Now, Zedekiah is given a chance to repent. He doesn't take it, of course. He's going to die a terrible death in the long run. He's going to follow what he was trusting in all along, and it's not going to work out very well. He just wants God to save him and then go back to the way that he's doing it. But God does give him a chance to repent. And when we see when God gives him a chance to repent, here's going to be the interesting thing. What he wants him to do has nothing to do with politics has nothing to do with legislation. It has to do with things that are completely different. And if you want to know the best birthday present you can give your country, follow what God tells Zedekiah here. First thing we see is this. A great present you could give your country is devotion to God and personal righteousness. Devotion to God and personal righteousness. So it's interesting. Zedekiah comes and he sends these officials, okay, go to Jeremiah. What do I need to do as king? And look at how Jeremiah responds in verse 8. Furthermore, tell the people. He's not even talking to Zedekiah. I'm talking to the people. I'm not even talking to the king here. The king wanted to know do I need to build the walls more secure? Do I need to get a water source? Uh, is God going to destroy the army coming? Uh, what kind of legislations do I need to pass? Do I need to, to get a draft going or whatever? And he's, he totally ignores Zedekiah and says tell the people this is what the Lord says. I am setting before you the way of life and the way of death. Whoever stays in this city will die by the sword, famine, and plague. Whoever goes out and surrenders to the Babylonians who are beseeching you will live. They will escape with their lives. I've determined to do this city harm and not good, declares the Lord. It will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he will destroy it with fire. So Zedekiah says, what am I supposed to do politically to save my country? And Zedekiah say, or Jeremiah says, this is what God says to the people. Because you see, no matter what kind of country you live in, the country's really the people, not the political leaders. You are the United States of America. Political leaders are gonna come and go. Uh, You know, in a a few years, we'll elect a new president, we'll have new congressmen, new senators, all of that kind of stuff. That's gonna come and go and change. You're the United States of America. So if you wanna know one thing that's gonna make our country stronger, it's you being a better person. It's you having a personal devotion to God. It's you being a righteous person that cares and helps other people. As you are becoming a better person yourself, it makes our country a better place. So if you want a better country, don't trust in elections, but rather trust in a God who's going to love you and be with you in that devotion that you have to God. Now, what he told the people to do was really interesting. He said, okay, the Babylonians are attacking. I'm going to give you life and death. What do you need to do? What you need to do is this: you need to surrender. Now, that's the very last thing they wanted to hear. As a matter of fact, that's why the people hated Jeremiah. Jeremiah was roundly hated. Everybody uh, despised him. He was thrown in pits, and and people tried to kill him and everything else because his message was, "God says surrender." God said, "Look, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. It's too late for that. Follow me. Listen to what I say. Surrender, and you'll have your life and the life of your family, and it will go well with you." People couldn't wrap their head around that. They didn't want to do what God said. So instead, they they tried to do it on their own and trust their military might and their walls and it ended up disastrous for them. But salvation for the country didn't come from a political decision. It came from the decision of the people whether or not to follow God and surrender or to go and to fight. And the same is true for our country today. You want a better United States of America? You be a better person. You be a better Christian. You be a better citizen. And as you are a better person, then this becomes a better country. Rick Jewell and his son were... Uh, leaving work, they were, they were out of town working in Oklahoma, and uh, when they got, left the hotel to get some breakfast uh, in the morning, they saw a man that was on an interstate sign that was getting ready to kill himself. Got a picture of the sign right here. And so Joel and his son was looking at it. a huge crowd of people had gathered around, and uh, as they were watching what was going on, Joel said, his son said, Dad, look behind the sign." And he said, "When he looked behind the sign, you could see a big cross that was coming down and actually shining uh, down on the sign. And Jewel said, I don't know what motivated me, but I pushed people aside, I got to the very front, and I yelled up at the guy, and I said, look behind you! And the guy goes, what? And he goes, look behind you! And the guy looks behind him, and I said, what do you see? And the guy says, a cross. And Jewel says, don't kill yourself. That cross is there for a reason. That cross is there to tell you God loves you. And he said, nobody loves me. And he said, look behind you. It's not a coincidence. Jesus loved you, died for you, forgives you. You just need to get in there with the firefighters. and You need to let them bring you down. And that's exactly what that man did. Now, that's an interesting story, and it's a nice story and everything. But I'm here to tell you something else. That little act right there, that made the United States a better country. It really did. Personal righteousness, the way you act, the way you behave, the way you treat others, says whether or not this is going to be a great country or not a great country. So you can elect any politician you want. You can be for any legislation you want. I mean, I I have my own political beliefs. I'm very active in the ways that I I can be. Uh, but, But the truth of the matter is that if we want a better country, it's just going to come to our personal righteousness, how we're living and what we're doing. You want a better country, be a better person. So Jeremiah ignores Zedekiah and talks directly to the people. Now he's going to go back and talk to Zedekiah. So that was the second thing, not the first thing. So look down to verse 11, and what we see is this. A great present you can give your country is standing for the hurting and the oppressed. Standing for the hurting and the oppressed. Look at verse 11. Moreover, say to the royal house of Judah, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says to you, house of David. Administer justice every morning. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor the one who has been robbed, or my wrath will break out and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. It will burn and no one will quench it. And then flip over to chapter 22 for just a second. He kind of clarifies this in verse 3. This is what the Lord says, do what is just, do what is right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow. Do not shed innocent blood. If you're careful to carry out these these commands, then the kings who sit on David's throne will come through the gates of this palace, riding in chariots on horses, accompanied by their officials and the people. If you don't obey them, declares the Lord, I swear by myself, this palace will become a ruin it's interesting what he says to Zedekiah he says okay Zedekiah I'm going to tell you what you need to do Zedekiah's right okay what law do I need to pass do I need to get a draft Do I need to strengthen the walls do I need to build better better swords what do I need to do here he says you know what you need to do administer justice every single day verse 11 administer justice every morning rescue from the hand of the oppressor Uh, verse 3 do what is just do what is right protect those who are vulnerable the widow the fatherless the orphan he's saying care for people be a kind compassionate people it comes down to two things I want you to be righteous and I want you to be just now when we think of a country we think of laws and politics and leaders and what he's saying is no righteousness and justice now what is justice justice is treating everybody fairly and equally uh, that's what justice is. So everybody's going to get be treated the same, be treated fairly, be treated equally. I want justice. And righteousness is just doing the right thing. You know, the, 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 there's, there's wrong things and right things. When somebody's hurting, you do the right thing. You do what you can to help them. He said, if you want your kingdom to succeed and to keep going on, then do what's right and just, and there will be kings that will follow after you. You ignore me and you do anything you want, then you're going to see destruction of what's ahead of you. So it's just loving and caring and helping the oppressed, the people that are hurting. That's what we need to be doing as a country. That's what we need to be doing as people. Uh, A few weeks ago, I was on a telephone call with uh, some of the leaders of the Kentucky Baptist Convention. I think I got on the call by mistake or something like that. I don't know why I was invited to be on it. But, but regardless, uh, one of the things that they were talking about was uh, the federal government was checking to see if the Kentucky Baptist Convention could do anything to help with some of the, the, the migrant children that had come over the border. They were going to be sent to different places across the country uh, out, out of some of the border states, and they were saying, can anybody help? It's probably just going to be for two or three months. We were just checking to see if anybody could help. And they wanted to know if the Kentucky Baptist Convention could take 50 to 100 kids and maybe put them in our, our children's homes or, or whatever, and they were just checking. And so they're just saying, hey, what do people think about this? So immediately people started talking about, well, you know, our immigration system's a mess and, and this should have happened and that should have happened. And, and I, I agreed with a lot of that. The immigration system was a mess. You know, this should happen, that should happen. But, but as we kept talking, I finally stopped and said, hey, look, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't really care about any of that stuff. All I care about is there's a child that needs help. And if there's a child that needs help and we can help them, we need to be helping them. You know, that, that, to me, that was what it boiled down to. And, and so then they said, well, we don't have money for this. And these kids are going to immediately need care packages when they come. There's going to be 50 to 100 of them. They're going to just need you know, soap and toothpaste and, and things like that. And, and uh, there's no money set aside for any of that. And I said, you're talking 50 to 100 kids. I said, Westport Road will provide that if, if they come. We'll take care of that. Don't worry about it. And they said, well, they're going to need some translators. And I said, we, we've got a Hispanic church. You know, we'll, we'll take care of that too. You know, don't, don't worry about it. Don't, don't let it be a controversy or anything. Kid needs help, we're going to help him. That's just what it comes down to. Now, the federal government has taken a different route. None of that came to fruition. But for me, it had nothing to do with politics. It had nothing to do with immigration issues. It just had to do with, if there's a child that needs help, then you need to be helping them. And, that, and that's all it comes down to. You just need to be just. You need to be right. You need to be doing everything you can to help those who are hurting and those who are oppressed. Anybody remember when I was talking earlier what Zedekiah's name meant? Not one person listened. Gosh, mark that down. Nobody listened. Zedekiah's name means the Lord is just. What was God asking from Zedekiah? To be just. And he says, if you're not just, you're not living up to your name and trouble's coming for your country. If you want to know how to make our country a better place it's just being right and just treating people the way they should be treated not seeing people as political enemies we sit in a room today that's filled with with every political persuasion you could have and we've all come into one room for one reason because who we are in Jesus Christ is greater than who we are in politics that who we are as brothers and sisters in Jesus makes us a family that's stronger than anything else can tear apart. It's even stronger than our country, believe it or not. I love this country. I'm proud of this country. I think we've got the greatest country in the world. But it has no comparison to who I am as a child of God and what that means in my life. The Bible doesn't say in John three sixteen for God so loved the United States of America. It says for God so loved the world that Jesus came to die for everyone and that any time that we can help or care or love, that that's what we're called to do. That when God looks at our country, he's not saying, who's your president or what are your laws? He's saying, who are the people? How are they living? What are they doing? What are they standing for? And that's when he, Zedekiah came to him. The first thing that Jeremiah did was ignore Zedekiah and say, this is what God says to the people. The best birthday present you could ever give the country is just being a better person, a better person of faith, closer to God, loving and caring for people. And when you do that, you've made a better country. I promise you each and every time. Lex Moran uh, lives in a southern town. Uh, I've never really heard of it. Louisville, Kentucky. Anybody ever heard of that? So Lex Moran lives in Louisville, Kentucky. She's a cosmetologist, just just got out of beauty school, just got a job uh, full-time working uh, in that industry. And she rides a bus to work every day. There's a homeless guy that's always on the the bench there when she goes to work, his name's Joe. So she talks to Joe every day. He's not getting on the bus, it's just kind of where he hangs out. Uh, There's a Sonic behind her. She said she'll often go and get him a breakfast sandwich. And when she gets off work, she'll buy him a hamburger or whatever. And she'll always talk to Joe. Well, a week ago, she was getting ready to get on the bus. Uh, She had her hair cutting stuff with her and she asked Joe, she said, how's it going, Joe? And he goes, it's going okay. He said, my hair's getting so long though, it's starting to itch. And he said, "I I hate it when my hair itches. And she said, well, Joe, I can do something about that if you'll let me cut your hair. As a matter of fact, that's what I do for a living. And he said, really? And she goes, yeah. And so she took her stuff out, called her boss and said, I'm gonna be a few minutes late for work and she cut Joe's hair. And Here's a picture of her cutting Joe's hair right there. It looks like she missed in the front a little bit uh, with the scissors, but besides that, uh, you know, the haircut looks really, really good there and the, and the beard trim that she gave him. Now again, that might not seem like anything significant to you, it's just a neat story of somebody helping another person, but I'm here to tell you this. When Lex Moran cut Joe's hair, she made the United States a better country. And if you want to know what makes this a better country, it's not going to be who you elect in Washington. It's going to be the way you live your life and the things you stand for. That's the best present you could ever give this country. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for loving us and always being there with us and caring for us when we don't deserve it. Help us to be people that respond by loving and caring for others in that same way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we come to this time of invitation and just a couple of things that I would say the, the first would be uh, for you to look at your life and say hey where are the places that I'm struggling and what you've heard today is that what God cares about is when people are hurting when people are oppressed and if you're in a situation in your life right now then I would just pray that during this time you come forward got people that love to pray with you and encourage you and just let you know that God loves you maybe you're here today and And you've been looking for a church and and a church family. You just want to come and say, I want to join this church, be a part of what this church is doing to make this community a better place. And the most important thing you could ever do is say, I want Jesus Christ in my life. That I've looked at this world and my way isn't working. You know, Zedekiah could have seen from his family background, it wasn't working the way he was doing it, but he refused to stop. And maybe it's time to say, God, I know you love me. And come down and you say, I just want God to forgive me and love me and come into my life. And if that's your time, you come down right now and we'll be glad to talk about that. If you're watching online, just text that word prayer or connect and there'll be somebody that will be right in touch with you. So this is our time as we stand together and we sing. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m.